really good. Isaiah 58. Are you there? It's not right after John? Matthew, Mark, Luke? No? It's somewhere in there. If you don't have it, it will be on the screens. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day, and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why. I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves. You go through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap. You cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? That second part wasn't supposed to be in there. That's a good song. That's a good Hey, do you really think this will please the Lord? That was the only part I want to read. We'll read the next later. Uh, so so there, there, was, there would be this trumpet. There would be literally like what we call trumpet, but they, they would use a shofar. And so they would stand outside, and the this, this shofar would start to blast like you heard. And it would be like the calling card of, hey, everybody draw near. There's something that has to be said. Uh, it would, have you ever been at Ocean Isle whenever they sound the, um, the emergency alarms? Like you're out there. And they've already evacuated the island, and you're surfing, and you're not supposed to be surfing. And then they sound these alarms to tell you to get out of the water. Okay, that's just me. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, oh, ho, what's this sound? Something's up. And so there would be, you know, people would be going around the business, but they would hear the sound. And it would be a call to come to join together. And, and Isaiah would be speaking to this people and saying, listen, shout this trumpet, shout this blast. Gather the people. God has something to say. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. Um, for some of you, you're just thinking, oh, seriously, <laughs> January 1, it's already like New Year's resolutions and get healthy and half of y'all joined the gym this week and you totally wasted your money and you know it, you have all the good intentions to do it, but let's face it, you know, you've, you've got a good 10 days in you and that's about it. And, and so even like when you come to church now, like, man, we're going to talk about fasting, like seriously, uh, and so God starts off, and, and he says these things. He says, listen, this, this, this group of people, they come to the temple every day, which, man, this, this seems, man, that seems like a good thing. Uh, they act like a, a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God, so they're, they're obeying all the rules. Again, man, that, that, that's a good thing. They're, they're asking me to take action on their behalf. They're making their petitions known to God. Wow, wow, this sounds like 
Man, it's a pretty good people. But there's these kind of like key words in there that says, well, they seem, they act, they pretend. Uh, have you ever seen somebody or even something that, man, it looks perfect on the outside. It seems, it acts, it pretends. But then you realize somewhere along the line that, man, there's something not right on the inside. One of, these things, one of the things uh, I love about this church is that we look completely wrong from the outside. From the outside, you know, whenever people ask about the church, they say, Coastal, where is that? Oh, that little tin box building? That's a church? Really? It wasn't a battery store? Like, from the outside, we look completely wrong. But then they come in like, oh, I, it's better on the inside. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that's better on the inside. I, I, I want to be a person that just doesn't look the part. I want to be a person that is the part. I, I don't want to be one of these people that, man, it, from the outside, it looks like we're obeying all the laws. It looks like we're a righteous nation. It looks like I'm doing everything right, but just something is wrong. And, and these people come before God, and, and God's addressing these issues, but the people even have these complaints. And the complaints are this, God, we're doing all of these things the right way. We're, we're, we're doing all of these things, and why are you not impressed? God, it's like you don't even notice. God, do you hear me? God, are you even listening? Now, this is that moment where we get real honest with ourselves. And, and there's, for some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us, there's that part of us that, man, I've been trying to do it the right way for so long. I mean, I'm trying, I, I obey all the rules. Don't, don't kill no people, you know? I, I, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I, I pay my taxes. I, I'm doing everything the right way. I go to church on Sundays. I'm, I'm obeying all the rules. God, I, I even fast. I even pray. But God, whatever I do, it just doesn't seem good enough. God, do you even hear my prayers? God, how come you're not impressed? What's going on here? Some, something, something's wrong. I'm doing everything right. And so God starts to talk to him about one of the issues that they bring up, and, and particularly this issue of fasting. Now, whenever I say fasting, what is, what is it that comes to your mind? What do you think about? Hunger. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> what else do you think about? Just hunger. Okay. <laughs> but you think, you know, that sustaining from food, you, you go a period of time. And, and for the most part, this is kind of what we've been taught about fasting, that you, you set aside a certain time. Uh, it could be a certain meal or whatever it may be. And we sustain from eating food uh, for, for, you know, three days, 40 days, whatever, whatever it may be. There's different types of fast that, that, that people do. And, and for the most part, this is kind of what we've been taught. And when we hear about the word fasting, this is how we think. But what if I was to tell you that this is only kind of half true? This is only half of, of what fasting is really all about. It, it's kind of the equivalent of like call, calling a Corvette just a car. It's like, oh, that's, you know, that's just, or, or, or going to Hawaii and saying, man, that's, well, that's just a wave. No, 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 that's something more. There's something better. There's, it's like Braveheart. That's more than just a movie. 
you know. You, you can't just categorize. You just can't say fasting is just not eating food. There's something a whole lot more to it, and we're going to talk about it. Um, and, and one of the things that, that God addresses here with fasting, he says, listen, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you do all these things and, and, and you act all these ways, and you're wondering why I don't even hear you. And he's saying this, well, it's because your fasting is to please yourselves. Say it on the outside, it looks like you're doing all these things the right way for every, everything, everyone, it appears that you're a righteous nation. It appears that you're doing these things. You're, you're coming to the temple every day. Uh, you're fasting. You're wondering. But yet, there's something about your fast that's not right. You are fasting to appease yourself. It's rooted and it's grounded in you. Let me explain this. Um, I heard a story of a young preacher who was just starting out. And he went to a meeting of a very famous evangelist that was preaching the word of God, and it was just one of those kind of services where every, it's just amazing, and every, all this kind of cool stuff is happening. And so the young preacher goes up to him uh, after the meeting and says, uh, sir, you know, will you please pray for me? Will you pray that, that I too can, can preach like you, and I too can have the, just the power of the Holy Spirit on me, and, and I could do these things too? Which, man, seem, seems right, right? And to which this this older, well-known uh, minister looks at that young pastor and says, no, I'm not going to pray that for you because you don't really want the Holy Spirit. What you want is for God to come down and for God to fill you so that way you can fulfill your agenda. See, you don't really want more of God you want God to come along and be aside what you're doing, and you don't really want to be a part of what God's doing. You only want God to bless you in this. But what if God wants to bless you in this? Something completely different. In the book of Acts, there's this story, I believe it's in chapter 8, where this man named Simon, he is a very well-known man in the community. Uh, he does... Uh, this type of sorcery and things. And it, it, the Bible tells us that the people who lived in this particular village were in awe of everything that he does. Well, uh, in Acts, as you know, the Holy Spirit has come down. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. All of this stuff happens, and, and Simon sees it. It's like, oh, man, I, I need this. And so he was, man, I need to be a follower of Christ. And, and he begins to, to follow Christ, and he's, he's learning from Peter. And all of a sudden, he sees some of the acts that Peter is doing. Peter, man, Peter's just laying his hands on people. People are getting healed. And to which, when, when Simon sees this, Simon goes up to Peter and says, man, what is this power that you have? And he pulls out his wallet. Let me buy it. And to which Peter says, no, it doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, he just rebukes him right there on the spot. And to which Simon replies and just, forgive me, please. Pray for me. See, what Simon wanted was not the Holy Spirit, but what he wanted was the power. He wanted the recognition. He wanted everyone else to be in awe of him like he was in awe of Peter. And God's saying, listen, sometimes there's this fast that you're doing, and you're not doing it for me at all. You're doing it for the recognition of man. You're doing it for your own selfish ambitions. You're doing it maybe for some other different motives, some other, other different reasons. And do you really think that I'm going to bless that? And, and so what happens in our lives, if we're not careful, is, is we could take selfish ambition 
and we could hide it under layers of spiritual jargon. We we can make ourselves sound really spiritual. We can make ourselves sound really holy. And we can make ourselves sound like really good people while all the while underneath. And it's, it's all about me. It's all about this selfish ambition. It's all about w- what I want, what I could do. And, and God, the reality is I don't, even, I don't really want more of you, but I just want you to be a part of what I'm doing so that way I can succeed or be known or have more power or whatever the case may be. And, and God's pointing this out here. And if we were to be really honest, for some of us, we've been there. We've done that. Maybe we're there now. And there's a part of us that we're really upset with God. Because we've hidden our selfish ambition under so many layers that we've deceived ourselves. And we don't even know it's there. And we, like this people, are crying out and saying, God, why don't you even hear my prayers? Why, God, are you not impressed? Don't you see I do everything right I'm doing all of this thing. God, I've been doing this year after year. I do all the right things. And I'm getting nothing in return. So Isaiah shows up on the scene. It says, sound the alarm. The Lord's getting ready to put some things straight. And then he goes on in chapter, in verse 6 to say this. Now this, this is not the kind of fasting that I want. But this is what I'm looking for. Free those who are wrongly in prison. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide yourselves from your relatives who need your help. And let me actually back up a couple verses uh, and reread again 4 and 5 where it says, What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fast, you will never get anywhere with me. You humble yourselves. You go through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds and bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? And and so there's, there's this idea that the people have of fasting, and then God gives them his idea of fasting. And see, the people's idea of fasting basically has to do with everything that they do unto themselves. We, going through the motions of the penance. Uh, he says, is this such a fast that I have chosen? I, uh, the New King James Version says, or I'm sorry, the King James Version says it like this, a day for man to afflict his soul, to bow his head as a bulrush, to, to spread out the sackcloth and the ashes, and you call this the acceptable day of the Lord. Now, a few things. This term that's used here, a day to afflict his soul, Isaiah is directly quoting from Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 29, where they are going over these different laws, and particularly they are talking about the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement would be uh, a day that would come around. The priest would go in. uh, He would make atonement for the people for all of the sins that they had committed that year. There would be this goat. He would place his hands on this, this scapegoat where he would say... As representation, this is representation transferring of all of the sins of all the people. And then that goat would be kicked out of camp off into the wilderness, often even driven off a cliff. And so whenever it says that this day of atonement, it is 
quoting from this verse here in Leviticus. It says, For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath rest to you, and you shall afflict your souls. Afflict your souls. Same word here for for fasting, uh, for um, the day of atonement, by this statue forever. And what God is saying here, and what the people are saying back to God is this. We've done this. We've afflicted our souls. We have fasted. And God is saying, you've done these things. Has it worked? Do, because the whole purpose with the Day of Atonement was that the people would feel clean before God. That they knew there was a recognition of all of their sins and everything that they've done. And what God is saying, when we do this, do you feel clean? And to which the people would say, no. Because deep down, you know you. And it takes more than that. Ultimately, it takes the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, listen, you've done all these things your way. You've afflicted your soul. Uh, Other translations said you've humbled yourself. You've practiced self-denial. You have been fasting. And God's saying, do you feel clean? Do you feel like this kind of fast is working? And then the next part of it that comes up is this, that you, you bow down like a bulrush. This is what uh, would be translated how we would know a, uh, a cactail, uh, a large amount of um, uh, reeds in the, the marsh grass. You ever gone out to Sunset Beach, Oceanal Beach, you can see the reeds grass, and you can see when the winds blow, they actually bow down in the wind. And it's just the uh, illustration that... Isaiah is using and giving and saying a way of prostrating ourselves. That we would, man, that we have, we've bowed down. We've humbled ourselves before the Lord. We've, we have gone through the motions. Now, later on, Jesus uses this example uh, whenever he's talking about John the Baptist. In the book of Matthew 11 and 17, he says this to the people. He says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? And he's using this as saying, did you go out just to see someone that's going through the motions? No. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, man, I've tried to do all these things to get clean, but it's just not working. Or, or I've, I've done all these things. I've tried to humble myself. I've tried to bow down. Man, but that's just not working. I've gone through all of the motions, everything I'm supposed to do, the checklist. But again, that's just not working. And then there's another illustration to, to that a man would come and he, he would prostrate himself, that he would bow down in sackcloth and ashes, that he would spread it underneath himself. Now, the sackcloth and ashes would be kind of something like this. And it, it would be the equivalent of whenever you were going through something, uh, a time or a period of mourning in your life, you would get you like a, a sackcloth shirt. You know, today we got cotton and polyester and silk. But you're going through a bad time, and you get yourself some sackcloth, some, some burlap. This would be like the oyster bag of the day, you know? You go get you a bushel of oysters, and then you take that bag and you wear it. And, and this was to symbolize to everyone that you are in mourning. And, and here's the thing. This is what began to happen to you because this is a very rough surface. Very, it's not comfortable to the skin, and so just wearing it was to show an outward looking of how you felt inwardly. Man, something's wrong on the inside. I'm going through something. 
Well, we, we find in the Bible with Job, Job and everything he went through. And he, it says that, man, we, he put himself in sackcloth and ashes. But, but this is what would happen. Uh, or let me put it like this. This would be the equivalent of when we go to a funeral today. We wear black, right? Because wearing black symbolizes and shows that we are in mourning. You don't go to a funeral wearing bright neon. It doesn't happen. You wear black. And so this would be kind of their funeral. Man, we, we are in mourning. There's been loss. There's been pain. There's suffering. There's been hurt. And, and the, cor- the more coarser the burlap, man, the more mourning you are in. And so the, the rougher it felt on your skin, the more it showed everyone, man, he's really hurting. But what happened is it, be, it kind of became a, I could one-up you. My burlap's more itchy than your burlap. <laughs> my, my sackcloth is way harder on my skin than yours. And, and so people would begin to, to do these things, not as a way of, of showing what was really going on in their heart, but just to show to the people, man, this, I, I, I could one-up you. I could do better than you. And, and they, would, they would sit and they would go through these different things, humble themselves, bowing down, sackcloth and ashes. And God's saying, does this make you feel clean? Does going through the motions make you feel better? You wearing this tough thing on your skin, does you think that that makes you more accepted? And oftentimes what happens with fasting is we reduce fasting to this kind of three-step program. Do these things, and God will hear your cry. If, If I fast 40 days, then, man, I'm really spiritual. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he only fasted two days. Have you ever, like, kind of been around those people that no matter what you do, they kind of just one-up you? It's like, hey, man, what, what did you get on that test? Man, I got 100. Yeah, I got 102. <laughs> Extra credit. Turned it in. Oh. Hey, man, I just got a new sweet car, 2016. Oh, yeah, I got the 2017. Just came out in China. Even though it's not here yet, I'm the only one that's got it. You know, it's just that person. Like, Whatever it is, I just got to one-up you kind of thing and and sometimes we could do the same thing spiritually we could do the same thing in the church we could do the same thing with fasting and say oh man you've been fasting three days that's great i've been fasting three weeks you know i'm spiritual i'm good jesus loves me he hears me more than you they call me pastor You know it's true. You know it's true. And God looks and he sees all this and he's like, do you really think that that's going to get you anywhere? Do you really think that you could wear a shirt that's so rough on your skin that it makes me love you more? And God's saying, listen, what if fasting is different? This is the kind of fast that I want. Man, that you would free those who are wrongfully in prison. That you would lighten the burden of those who work for you. That you would let the oppressed go free. Wait a minute, God. You haven't talked about skipping breakfast yet. Hold on. But this is what I want you. I want you to remove the chains that bind people. I want you to share some food with the hungry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We get to eat? (laughs) It's like, yeah. Share some food with the hungry. Why don't you give some shelter to the, to the homeless? 
Give clothes to those who are in need. And don't hide from relatives who need your help. Uh, and I was reading this this week, and I just, thank God, this is the kind of fast that you're talking about. It's not just that we fast from something. That's only half the truth. It's what we fast unto. That we just don't neglect these things, that we just don't skip a meal, but that we replace this meal with something else. And the thing that God's saying, replace it with this, man, that you would loosen the bonds of the wickedness. Release this. Uh, in literal terms, what this passage is talking about, this first part of it, is those people that would have servants underneath them, they would often be very hard on their servants. They would treat their servants very badly. And he's saying, how can you treat your servants like this and then fast all day and think that that's going to get you anywhere? Why don't you do this? Why don't you release them from their debt? Is there somebody in your life that's indebted to you? Think about that for a moment. There's that guy that's owed you 40 bucks for the last 12 years. (laughs) And God's just saying, why don't you just forgive him? Why don't you just let that go? I almost broke out and frozen just then. <laughs> Let it go. I did break. To undo the heavy burdens. And there's a lot of people in this room right now that have some heavy burdens. There's some single moms that could use a babysitter. There, there, there's some people in here that are Working so hard, man, they, they could use somebody just going over to their house and helping them clean up. There, there's some people that, man, they're, they're just so burdened. And God's saying, why don't you just go mow their yard? Watch their kids. Give them a gift card to go eat dinner. Why don't you make some of that burden a little bit lighter? That you would uh, let the oppressed go free. Literally translated, it says that you would release the bundles of obligations that you've placed upon people. That you would release the bundles of obligations that you've placed upon people. How often do we do this? Especially with our spouses. Man, we just, we just, we just put all of these expectations in these bundles. Of, you have to live up to this certain thing, and you have to do these things this certain way. And God's saying, why don't you just drop all of that? You know, because everybody's not going to live up to your expectations. That you would break every yoke. That you would just accept people right where they were at. See, this this idea of this yoke, he's using where where people would plow and they would put these oxes on this yoke together. So they would walk together and and they would make the ox where they could only do this thing, this yoke. And and if you were to fast forward back into Jesus' time, there there would be this moment where rabbis would come and rabbis would teach uh, individuals, their interpretations of the scriptures. And each rabbi would have his own interpretations of the scriptures. And the, uh, the interpretation of that particular rabbi would be called in that day his yoke. And so if you follow this rabbi, that means you took on that rabbi's yoke and his, his looking and his, his way of teaching the scriptures. And Jesus is saying, instead of me just showing up on the scene and me giving you this yoke, listen, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm releasing you from all of these obligations, these hundreds and hundreds of rules that you find in Leviticus of this way in which you think makes you right with me. All of that, 
my yoke's easy, my burdens. This is the fast that I have chosen. That you would take the yoke off of people that you've placed on them. Some of you can't have come this morning and you just feel this yoke, this weight on your shoulders that people have placed on you, that maybe the church has placed on you, that feel like, man, you've got to live up to a certain expectation in order to be accepted. And God says, man, I'm breaking that off of you. This is the type of fast that I've chosen. I mean, that you would just share your bread with the hungry. Take somebody out to eat. I mean, I get hungry every day. <laughs> That's what it means. Take your pastor out to eat. <laughs> Pretty sure in the Greek or Hebrew or Chinese, somewhere in there. No, but share your bread with the hungry. You know the hungry. You know that, that person that God puts in your life that's struggling. God's saying, just take them out to eat. To bring to your house the poor that are cast out. And, and I was praying about that, this, this particular one this week, this week, about bringing to our house the poor that are cast out. And I thought to myself, me and Devin were talking, I said, man, I, I can think of nobody more poor than an unbeliever. Someone that doesn't know Jesus. And I said, babe, we need to make sure that we have more unbelievers in our house. We need to make sure that we, we, have, we might have some people in our community, in our neighborhood or something that we need to invite to our home for a meal. To just show them the love of Christ. Not, not, not to push Jesus on them or anything. That We just need to invite them into our homes. Because they're poor. They may look rich, but they don't have Jesus, so they're poor. God's saying, this, this is the fast that I've chosen. That when you see the naked, that you would cover them. And there's lots of hurting people out there. God's saying, just be there for them. And, and then this last one, he says, that you would not hide yourself from your own flesh, from your own relatives. That you would be there for your family. This is the type of fast that I've chosen that you would just be available to your own family. That husbands, you would be available to your wife and your kids. That you would make some time for your own flesh. Man, so, uh, it's too, too much family feuding going on. Too much, this family member's mad at this family member, and, and, and this uncle is mad at this cousin, and God's saying, this is the fast I've chosen. You just need to squash all that. This is God's kind of fast. And, and he, he addresses these issues. He addresses the problems. He addresses the questions that the people have. He gives his input on his type of fast. And then he says this. This is the promise. When you begin to fast like this, when you begin to live like this, verse 8, then... Your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer and say, yes, I am here, and he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading these uh, venomous rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually. 
He will give you water when you are dry and restore your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden flowing, even flowing. Now, now you got to remember, he is speaking to a desert people here. He's speaking to a people that live in the desert. And so whenever he says, listen, you are going to be like a well-watered garden, man, have you ever just felt like you're in the desert? God's saying, even in the middle of this desert, you're going to be like a well-watered garden. You're going to be an oasis in the middle of a dry time. Uh, next, next verse. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestors, Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. So there's this great promise. And I just want to point out a few things. I want to encourage you guys to this week. To, to, as you get in the scriptures, go back and, and read Isaiah 58, and he's going to share some particular, the Lord's going to share some things just for you, but I want to share some things uh, as we're closing out just for us as a church that I think that we could hold on, that our light would break forth like the morning day sun. And, and I'm believing that for 2016. And, and let me put this in the form of a story. Um, maybe a month ago, I was... Uh, out in the deer stand, and I was there early in the morning, and it was actually cold outside that morning. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm just freezing. And then all of a sudden, I see that this light starts to come up. And I'm like, oh, yes. So now I can actually start to see everything that's around me. But as that light was coming up, man, I was still really cold. And it wasn't until the sun actually came up that it began to heat the air and I began to feel warmer. And for some of you that are uh, into different sports or different things, there's actually two different types. When you look at the sunrise, there's the sunrise, but then there's the time of first light. And, And first light comes before sunrise because obviously the sun, the earth, and the rotation of it. And so you have light before the sun comes over the horizon. Um, So here's the thing. I'm sitting in that tree stand. And all of a sudden, there is this first light. And I just felt like God saying that 2016 is going to be the year of first light. That the, the, the darkest part of the night is gone. And it's the dawning of a brand new day. But it's not quite where the sun has fully risen. That it might still feel a little cold. There might be some things that the Lord needs to get right with you. But the light is coming. You are going to have vision and eyes to see that it's a brand new year. It's a brand new time. And then your healing shall spring forth speedily. Righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. God's saying just don't give up. The light is coming. It's coming over that horizon. You might still feel cold, but God is near. And when you call, he will listen. 
You will be like a people in the desert, but yet he is going to well water you. That there's going to be a spring even in the middle of the dryness. What if God showed up in such a way that made your desert blossom? What if the things in your life that used to so easily destroy you don't even bother you anymore? What if the things that so easily tripped you up now just roll off your back? What if having a meltdown every time something goes wrong, now you're able to just relax in the middle of the storm because there's new vision, because the sun is rising? What if God prepares a table before you in the very midst of your enemies? And it says this, and then there will be those among you who shall build the old waste places. They, they shall raise these new foundations for many generations. Listen, it's not about you. What if God's doing something in you that's not just about you? It's going to affect your kids and your kids' kids. It's for many generations to come. We've got to think bigger. It goes beyond us. It's not just for us. And then you will delight yourself in the Lord. You will ride on these high hills of the earth, and I will, here, here it goes, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Do you know that there's some blessings in store from you that have been stored up from way back? There's some prayers that your mother and your grandmother prayed for you that you don't even know about, that God is waiting to release in your life. There's some things that go all the way back to Jacob. You are someone else's promise. You are the thing that someone else has prayed for, maybe for their whole life. And God has prepared you for such a time as this. That you would be one and you would feed upon this from the heritage of your forefathers. It's the dawning of a brand new day. First light. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.